You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. part of the community at Trinity through the school for almost a decade and our family has been with the church community at Trinity for just over two years now and we have felt so blessed to be part of this wonderful place. In 2008 I was diagnosed with a rare type of cancer adenoid cystic carcinoma that started in my right parotid gland and extended through to my ear canal. Uh, the team at Mayo told me that treatment for this type of cancer is challenging since it travels along the nerves and isn't always even responsive to treatment, but typically if the initial tumor can be uh, removed successfully with clean margins, since this usually is a very slow growing and non-aggressive kind of cancer, patients can go 15, 20 years without another occurrence. I was grateful for that. Um, however, in my case, this cancer has proven to be quite relentless. Um, the current tumors are in my lungs and the jaw extending on back to my brainstem. Um, it's tracking along facial nerves, which is causing the issues with the right side of my face. So over the last 10 years, I've had three major surgeries, around 70 radiation sessions, um, several rounds of chemo, used natural and homeopathic treatments as well. Oncologist has tried different kinds of immunotherapies for the past several years up until this fall when the side effects just became too dangerous and the tumors were no longer being controlled. Uh, my most recent appointment with my oncologist is hard. He said there is still no safe way to surgically remove the main facial tumor. I've maxed out on the radiation I can have to that area and because of how it's tracked along nerves in the brain having that brain tumor would exclude me from most studies and even immunotherapies. So from their perspective, it's mainly palliative care they can offer at this point. I went through a long period of daily fear, just absolute terror of dying. I've been sitting in my car saying out loud, God, I have no idea where you are right now. Where are you? And I literally heard a voice say, I am right here. Of course, my first instinct was to think I was going crazy and I was imagining things. And then I heard it one more time, voice clearly in my car that said, I am right here. I have seen God work in so many ways through this trial. A huge way I have seen and felt God has been through the people he's put in my life. My parents have been an incredible source of support for me. I've never considered myself exceptionally vain, but I am really aware of what this disease has done to my body. Um, there has not been a single day when Brian has not made me feel like the most beautiful woman in the world to him. And to feel so unconditionally accepted and loved um, is indescribable. Um, my children are amazing. My sister, my extended family, aunts, uncles, cousins here, my father's family in India, Ryan's parents, they have all done so much to walk with us. 
the community of Trinity has rallied around us and has been unbelievable in their support. I have been so thankful to have the children at the academy, uh, knowing that they are surrounded by teachers, staff, and friends who are holding us up in prayers and so concerned about making sure that they are loved and supported through this. Another way I felt God working through this is in revealing to me a purpose uh, for suffering. Scripture uh, makes it clear that even his faithful will go through trials. We all will suffer living in this broken world. I've been able to see how God can use um, suffering as a way I can bless others who are suffering. Too, for me, if one purpose in my having this cancer is so I can encourage someone else dealing with this, God is loving them and seeing them through this, it is truly a gift. I have for 10 years been on my knees crying out to God for healing and mercy. And I believe with all my heart that he will heal me in his time. His grace has been enough and his mercies have been new every morning. I have had more peace than I would have ever thought possible because of his goodness to me. God is good and he is able. He loves me, he is with me and for me. I am in his hands. His hands flung stars into space. They took the nails that redeemed my soul. They hold every tear I've ever cried. My name is written on his hands. So I truly feel there's no safer place for me to be and no better place to put all my hope than in his hands. Uh, my name is Lisa Gouet and this is my story. Those of you who know Lisa, you know that um, none of that is fake. Um, the cancer is real, and she's in the middle of it right now, and really doesn't know what the outcome is going to be. Um, and, uh, but if you are in her circle, and even if you're not, get in her circle, because her faith in God, even through this kind of struggle and trial, is absolutely 100% amazing. Um, and it makes you really contemplate your own life and your own existence um, and, and a lot of what you even do um, on a daily basis. In fact, her story for me uh, was so powerful that once I saw it when it was all done and I, I played it back and, and looked at it, I was like, I can't preach what I was going to preach on Sunday. Um, we we're going to talk about transubstantiation and all these churchy things. No. But I thought, isn't... isn't Lisa's story and Jessica's story last week and, and Mike's story the, the week before, isn't that just how life is? You know, when, when you're growing up, you, you're expecting a certain way. You're expecting your life to be a certain way. Um, you, you're expecting to go through school and maybe meet someone, get married, have a life and a family, if that's kind of what, where you feel you want your life to go. And you expect all these wonderful things to happen. And then all of a sudden, like Lisa's case, the diagnosis hits, or the relationship falls apart, or the addiction, what started out as a fun thing, becomes too strong. And your story, all of a sudden, completely takes a different direction, doesn't it? 
and you're wondering, especially if you're a God follower, if you're a Christ follower, if you, if you have grown up in the church or if you know the story of who God is and what He has done, and we, you know, we're so, we talk about God's love and grace, but then something like that happens in your story as you're writing it and, and you're seeing it unfold, and you go, God, this isn't supposed to happen this way. This isn't how life is supposed to be, especially for your kids. Aren't you supposed to protect us a little bit more than anybody else, right? And then there's that, that, that ultimate question that everybody asks, and, and you don't have, even have to be a church person, but everybody in the whole world kind of has some sort of question like this, and it's this. If God is so good, why does he allow suffering? If God is so good, why can we look across the pond and, and, and in New Zealand and see this horrible thing that happened to the Muslim community with all the, the killings of, from a crazy guy or, or the, the, the Christians who are being slaughtered on a daily basis or, or, or people that are, are being sick and, being, and, and kids that are being exploited? God, if you are so good, why do you allow suffering? And maybe it's more personal for you. Maybe you've asked this question even more, and maybe even more internally. You know, it's, it's one thing to look out and go, oh, wow, this is a horrible situation in the world. But what about my life? Because ultimately, I think some of us, I, I know I have, and, and, and I think many of you have, have asked, if God is so good, why does he allow suffering in my life? Why does he allow suffering in my life and loss and hurt in my life? We all have stories, right, written as, as we've been looking at this old 1904 typewriter. You know, our stories like that typewriter are beat up, and we barely works sometimes. We all have a story, something that's happened to you or is happening to you or you think might ultimately happen. And so all throughout this season in the church world, it's called Lent, it, it kind of leads up to Easter, but we've been sharing weekly stories from people in our church uh, that, of how God has worked through the story. And like Lisa, God is continuing to work right in the middle of a hard situation with the diagnosis. If God is so good, why does he allow suffering in my life? And what's interesting also about that question is this isn't just a Hudson, Wisconsin question. It's not just an, um, an American question. It is a worldwide question. It's not even a now question. This question has been around since the dawn of time. I, I can imagine as Adam is being kicked out of the Garden of Eden, right, with Eve on his side, and they're walking out, and I, I bet Adam's going, God, if you're so good, why am I suffering like this? I bet that was in the Bible or in, in his brain as he was getting kicked out. It, it's, a, it's a common question for everybody. Again, whether you know Jesus, whether you know God, it's a common question. In fact, back um, in, in, uh, in Paul's day, now Paul was a guy who wrote a lot of the, the Bible, um, a big chunk of the New Testament he wrote. And he started out his life on a trajectory that was exactly perfect for him. He wanted to be a Pharisee, and he went to all the right schools. He had a, a financial backing, um, got into these, these right schools, became a Pharisee, persecuted people uh, who followed the way. That was, that's what Christianity was called back then. Persecuted people, killed people, um, not by his own hand, but through his orders. And he was actually even discharged uh, from the high, the high council to go and find Christians, pull them out into the street, his, his crew, and murder them right in the street as an example of not to follow 
the way. And one of these times, he's on this road, and, and, all, and all of a sudden, um, this light just breaks through. And Jesus appears to him and says, why are you persecuting me? This was after Jesus rose from the dead. And, and, and Paul is just, he, he's blinded, he's taken to, um, to kind of a, a, a group of believers, and he's actually taken care of by them. And his whole life changes and turns around. So now, this guy Paul, who again wrote a whole bunch of letters to the, to the early followers, is, is thinking about groups of people called Christians who are gathering together and wanting to encourage them. One such group uh, is a group um, that is gathered and huddled in this massive, very progressive, modern city uh, called Corinth. And this is kind of a drone uh, thing that says an actual, this is an artist's rendering of the actual city of Corinth. Um, he went through, and a lot of these streets are still kind of there, so he, and the building, and so he kind of went through, and this is kind of what it would have looked like there. Obviously, is one builder, because every building looks exactly the same, right? <clears throat> but um, uh, a very fantastic, huge city. Um, the, uh, it was a, a popular trade route. It had a nightlife you know, it liked to boogie. Um, sorry for the 80s reference there. Uh, but it was like New York City. It, again, like I said, it was a trade route among many, many things. The moral compass of this place was just all over the place, however. You could do whatever you want. Goddesses and deities just reigned, and you could, and, and the sexual, uh, there was no limits on sexuality there. You could do whatever you want with whom you ever, ever you want without any repercussions. The moral compass was uh, just upside down. In fact, back then, they found an artist's rendering of one of the main inscriptions that described Corinth, okay? And this was kind of the tagline that they had. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. I, I think a city nowadays has stolen that. That's not true, actually. They didn't have that tagline. Um, however, that is kind of the idea of what this city was. And so here you have a little group of, of Jesus followers huddled in a room and, and just really worried because now they're, they're stepping out and they're saying, you know what? The way that this whole, our whole society is going isn't a godly way. And ultimately, a, a society that does not follow a godly way does not stand. A society that des- decides that we are our own morality and there is no North Star, is going to fall apart. It's history. It's not just a religious thing. It's history. And so Paul, in, in the eve of this, or in the light of this, understanding that these people are really struggling by being tempted uh, into all these things that the culture is doing, writes them a letter. This is actually a second letter to them um, in 2 Corinthians. And so if you have your Bibles out, or if you have your, your church app that we have for our church, uh, you can go to 2 Corinthians, just the first chapter. We're going to kind of dive into that. Um, but Paul has this picture in his mind that these people are being tempted, that life for them is really, really difficult. And so in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul answers or help, tries to help answer that question, if God is so good, why is there suffering in my life? And so it says this. Here's what Paul writes. Um, he says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is merciful He's a father and the source of all comfort. He's the source of all comfort. And he's writing, again, because he knows that this little group needs encouragement. They need strengthening. 
And right off the bat, he goes, hey, guys, I know you're suffering. This is kind of the implication. I, I know you're suffering. I know that it's been tough. I know that you're being persecuted that because you're not in, be involving yourself in these horrible, evil things that, that, that uh, the rest of your society around you is doing. And I, I know that you're actually being um, uh, looked over in terms of business. You're, being, you're actually being pulled aside. Some of you are being killed because of your faith in Jesus. And he says, God is going to comfort you. He has a purpose. And Paul says, I'm going to tell you one of those purposes, if not the most important purpose. And this is the purpose. This is one of the, again, one of the key answers to that ultimate question. If God is so good, why is there suffering? What is one of the reasons for the story of suffering that is in my life? If God is so good. Um, And he says this in this verse. God comforts us in all of our troubles so that... And, and any time in the Bible you see the word so that, you know that there's, gonna, there's a purpose for what he just said. So God comforts us in all, of our comfort, in our, all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. We can comfort others. Did you know that the troubles that you're going through or have gone through, actually mainly have gone through, are a source of strength and hope and encouragement for somebody else around you? or will be a hope, a source of strength. When um, Kelly and I lost our daughter, and I hate that, I hate saying that phrase, because I don't, I didn't lose my daughter. She died in a car accident. I know where she is. She's in heaven. So she's not lost. She's home, you know. So anyway, that's a little pet peeve of mine. Anyway, so when we lost our daughter, um, uh, we could tell Shortly afterwards, who has gone through that kind of pain and loss before? It was pretty easy to tell. People, meaning well, said the dumbest things to us. And I've talked about this in here. We were at the, at the, 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 the um, reception, the wake, whatever you want to call it, after the funeral. And looking back, Kelly and I were like, we shouldn't have even had one of those because it was just so stupid. Um, it wasn't stupid. Yeah, it was, actually. But we're standing there, and people are just coming up to us, this long stream, and, and really wanting to help and comfort us. But people would say things like, um, heaven must have been missing an angel. Don't say that. Because when we die and go to heaven, we're not angels. The angels serve us. We don't become angels when we die. Another thing that, that we heard a lot of um, is... Uh, she's looking down on you right now. Don't say that either, because that's not true. She is, she is sleeping in the arms of Jesus right now. When we die, we don't come back. I wouldn't want to come back. I mean, y'all look nice, but I don't want to look down on you anymore. We're sleeping in the arms of Jesus until the last day. Another thing that, that people said right after that, that, you know, right after the week after, less than a week after my daughter was killed, they said, it's going to be okay. Now, that's true, and that could be helpful, but not right after a tragedy. I would rather hear, we would have rather heard, this sucks. It's hard. Followed by, God knows that too. That, that's the most comforting thing. And, and, the, and, and the things that the people said that I, that I, I knew had gone through a tragedy before or who had lost somebody that they loved close to them would say things like this. Tell me more about Mackenzie. 
tell me more about your daughter because that's what I wanted to talk about was my daughter. I didn't want anybody to forget her. And it didn't, it cried up, obviously, but it, it didn't hurt. It was helpful. Or another person would come up and say, all they would say is, I get it. I get your loss. I get it. It's empathy. Or the best is people just came up and gave us a hug and didn't say anything. In, in Jewish culture, it's called sitting, I've got to say this very, very carefully, sitting shiva. You can see why I have to say that carefully. But it's called sitting shiva, where people come after the death of somebody in the family, and they just, they just sit there, and they don't do anything. In the book of Job, that's what Job's friends did for seven days, if you remember that story. They just came, and they sat there, and they just grieved. They got in trouble when they opened their mouths and started talking to Job about, about his loss. So... God comforts us so that we can comfort other people. The, the, the blessing, I guess you could say, is that Kelly and I have been able to talk with a lot of people who have lost kids at, at any age. Um, and we know, we get it. Doesn't it feel good to talk to somebody who's already gone through it before? You know, that's, that's the power of your story and what you go through, what we go through um, in our lives. And the other thing is, is it doesn't have to be a, a massive, huge, what we would consider a huge story. You know, it, it could be just something simple that God got you through a really hard day. That's a God story. You could say, I get it. You're having a, it's, it's tough to be a single mom. It's tough to go through what you're going through because I've been there. I get it. Um, so God comforts us in all our troubles so that you and I can comfort others. And then Paul kind of expands on that over the next couple of verses. And he says this, when we are troubled, when we've lost that loved one, when we've failed the math test, when we've lost our job, when we've lost our spouse, we've had the diagnosis, whatever it is, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given to us. For the more we suffer for Christ, or actually it, it's more so, for the more we share in the sufferings, the kind of things that Christ suffered, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. Now, not, not um, heaven salvation. That's a different word in the Greek. Um, this is salvation, meaning a life lesson. You know, if, if I'm driving a car and I'm heading toward a cliff and you're in the passenger seat and you're saying, you know what, I wouldn't do that because I tried that one time and it didn't work out well. That's a salvation. I would turn the car. That's the kind of thing. A life. It's not the, the I'm saved because of what Jesus did, salvation word. Um, so it's for our comfort and our salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will cer certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. Your story matters. And it's, again, it's not a huge thing. It, it, that's why this is all so important for you in your life to, at certain times, just kind of think of the times when you did struggle, because the fullness of the purpose of that struggle comes when you're able to comfort somebody else. When I talked to the very first person after Mackenzie had passed away, and I talked to somebody who had lost their, their daughter at a similar age. At that point in that conversation, I thought, wow, now God is using my story to bless 
another person. I'm still struggling, but it's such a blessing to the other person. When you're able to see how God has brought you through it and then able to show it and share it some way with someone who's going through the same thing, that's when peace starts to really come in. Chuck Colson, I don't know if you remember him, he was uh, in the government back in the 70s, 80s, I believe, um, was caught, uh, kind of caught, but basically he ended up in jail. Um, and he was a Christian, but really became a Christian and started a whole jail ministry to people who were in jail because he lived that life. He knew what it was like to, to be um, in, a, in a place that you had very little control of your own life. And so he started a massive, massive Chuck Colson uh, ministries because he had been there. He had done that. And he went back to prove it or to, to help somebody else. This just popped in my mind. Last week was um, St. Patrick's Day. And if you know the story of St. Patrick, he did the same thing. At age 14, he was captured. He actually grew up in Britain, and he was captured uh, as he was farming with his, his family. Um, the, the Druids came in and, um, and captured him and uh, burned the city, and he was one of the slaves, went over to Ireland, and he stayed there for 15, 16 years, something like that. Finally was able to escape, went back home, and in a dream, God said, you need to go back. Because you've been there, you know what it's like to struggle, and you love those people. And so he actually left then Britain to go back, became a priest, set up hospitals, set up schools. Um, Basically, the Druid belief system really dwindled down because of him um, and replaced with his beautiful grace and freedom in Jesus. Same kind of thing. And this all just brings me to you. What's your story? What is your story? story. It may not be a health journey like we've seen the last couple of weeks. It may not be uh, an addiction story from like the first week. And you may be thinking, I really don't have a story. I mean, these are pretty fantastic and, and crazy things that are happening. Or you may think, I haven't lost my faith. I haven't had a tragedy, those kinds of things. Maybe not, but what about that day you woke up and you just felt like it, you were not going to make it through the day? And The next morning you woke up and you're like, praise God, it's a new day. That's a faith story. You don't think God would put somebody in your life, at your work, at your school, in your community, at your church, wherever it is, that is also going through one of those days? Your faith story is like, I've been there. I've been there. That was just yesterday for me. It was hard. What about the time you were being tempted to sin and you prayed and just just prayed and all of a sudden God took away the desire or the opportunity to sin. That's a faith story. What about the time you had no idea the decision to make, but then you went to sleep, next morning you woke up and you just, God just, it was just clear what you and your family needed to do. That's a faith story as well. That's all God working in your life. Like I I said earlier, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father, comes from the God of lights, comes from Him, not anybody else. And so as you came in, either it was given to you or it's in your bulletin. There's a, a, a sheet there. And this is kind of your homework, if you will. Um, I know it's spring break, students, so I've got to give you something. Uh, but if you take a look at that sheet, uh, it looks like this. Um, what I would really like you to do, and whether you share this with anybody or not, um, this can just be a tool for you to kind of just start thinking, what is my story? And it doesn't have to be I was born in Rockford, Illinois, and, you know, it doesn't have to be that. It could be one slice moment. Maybe even just this morning, you made it here. That's a faith story. 
But just simply answer these questions or, or fill the statements out. A time when I or we, maybe your family, a time when I really struggled was, and maybe just write a couple of words down. Then say, but God did this, removed this. What did God do in that situation? Or what is God doing in that situation right now? Um, and then, maybe as you're doing that, maybe God's going to put somebody in your heart that's going through the same thing. Maybe you're, you're, um, you, you almost lost your family, your marriage, and God just miraculously flipped it over. Maybe there's somebody you know that's going through the same thing. Who is that person? And all through this, this month, or this uh, the season of Lent, and actually throughout the whole year, we're collecting stories, if you, you're comfortable with it. Um, and you could even put your name and, and your email and just say, hey, I'd be open to at least maybe having it in print or maybe doing a video or, or live, something like that. You don't have to. Um, but sharing those stories of what God does in our life, that's what makes coming to church even so much better because we're engaging with each other in each of our stories. And so I'm going to end with this. You may be struggling right now. I mean, again, like I said, with a relationship, all these different things, loneliness, whatever it is. Um, you may be here in this room or even watching on our, our live stream, um, and you really don't even know why you're here. Maybe you're not even a Christ follower. Maybe you don't even get this whole God stuff. Um, here's what you need to know. No matter what your story looks like right now, no matter what you're going through or have recently gone through or maybe will go through this week, no matter what, you matter. You matter. You're not just taking up, taking up space or taking up air. You matter. There's a reason. There's a purpose for right here, right now. There's a purpose for your life. And I don't know what that is. Maybe you don't even know what that is right now. But I can tell you this. God surrendered his one and only son for you. He invested that much in you. And if God were to, is, did that, he wouldn't just kind of arbitrarily, I'm going to have my son die for so-and-so, nah, even though they don't really matter. No, you matter to him. God loves you. And he proved it by, showing Jesus, or by sending Jesus to take away the guilt of your sin. That's why we ultimately gather, is to celebrate that while none of us in and of ourselves are worthy, because of Jesus, you matter, and you have a story to share. If you acknowledge that Jesus died for you and rose again to take away that guilt of your sin, you, like Lisa said, you are in his hands. Don't leave here thinking that you're alone. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to pray. Father, in your greatness and goodness, uh, you have called us to be in this place or are calling us to watch online or listen to the podcast later this week for such a time as this. And we don't know why. I don't know why. But we do know, God, as your scripture is clear, that many, many, many different reasons why we go through struggles and, and, and suffering, but a key one is that we can be a light to the world. Help us, God, in our struggles, 
uh, help us to be sharing those struggles with each other, help us to support each other, um, because we know that we matter because of what you did in, sent Jesus, in sending Jesus to die for us. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you for giving us purpose and meaning in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said...